Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andre Degler, and today I would like to share with you a conversation that I had some time ago with Cristobal Alonso, the CEO of Startup Wise Guys, an accelerator that started in the Baltics but is growing rapidly across Europe. Check this one out. So my full name is actually Jose Cristobal Alonso Martin, but most people call huh. me Cristobal Alonso, El Patron. And I'm the, I'm the CEO of Startup Wise Guys, apart from general partner in all of our investment funds eh, or VC funds eh, across the region. Right. And Startup Wise Guys, you have been doing this since 2016, right? So you're almost at your five-year anniversary. Oh, well, Wise Guys is 2012, so we actually about to celebrate uh-huh. our, ten, eh, our first decade. Ten. So we have a big anniversary coming on February 16th. Eh, but myself as CEO, I, I took over yeah, five years ago. So yeah, this is actually the longest I have ever been in a company, uh, which is, is funny. Uh, including your own companies? Including my own companies. So this is my longest startup. This is my longest own company. This is my longest ever stay in a company. And it feels good. It feels you know, like uh, that's what you want to do and want to do. So yeah, yeah. so we're in our yeah, 10-year anniversary. So in a way, we are kind of refreshing everything towards 2030 right now. So we're looking at, we've been mm-hmm. looking at purpose, a strategy, vision, kind of making sure that, you know, we are taking the company to the, the next evolution. We have 50 people plus right now. So this is a, a completely different animal to where we were five people at the beginning running one accelerator, right? Sounds very much like the, all those EU programs, Horizon 2020, uh, Horizon Europe. So you've got your Horizon 2030 right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, we need a 21 so, strategy, right? So um, and we achieve it in advance. The, the fun, part, fun part, maybe like, not only we're we talking about, we actually do a 2025 strategy, but we want to have a vision. But we're even talking about, for the first time, we talk about 2050. And in a way, we have a discussion among Herty, Duck and myself about the kind of the main owners of the company about what is going to be the company where we are not here, right? So what's the first time we talk about, and we created the foundation and so said, what do we want to be this company where we're not here, right? Uh, which to me is kind of a, it's a different level of engagement. But it's, it's a very interesting discussion, I think a very meaningful one. It, that also you can share with your managers, but it's the first time I think I talk about a place that it, where will it be when I'm not there. It's like, hmm, that's an yeah. interesting thought. Hmm. That's a deep one. So, and you've got you've got also a nice present, I suppose, for uh, for your upcoming anniversary. You've uh, got this uh, uh, award of being, uh, and I quote, Europe's hottest B two B startup accelerator. So, where did you get that from, and what did you have to do to uh, to deserve this? Well, actually, it was not B2B, it was Hottest Accelerator. So we are trying to get uh-huh. rid of the Hottest Europe Accelerator. Uh, yeah, I think it was basically Tech right. Branch 1. I don't think we did anything mm-hmm. special this year for that. I think actually, by the way, we were also last year in the finals. Uh, I think we, we've we been maintaining what we have been doing. If you say something special is we're even more active during COVID times than we were even before, right? So I think... Mm-hmm. If something has happened during COVID is we have accelerated, never better said, uh, our growth. We have been doing 60 to 80 investments per year. We have leverage that, of course, for humanity, we love to see each other. We love to have the freedom. But there was a lot of good things to learn from many things online. So I think we took a lot of the online learnings and took it to the next level. And I, it also allows you to explore geographies in a different way. So uh, going to Africa is basically something that comes from the acceptance that doing a full-on program online is okay, right? We've never done it if not in Africa as yeah. we're going to be doing it right now, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we proceed, uh, for the select view, select few of all listeners who are not familiar with uh, Startup Wise Guys, uh, can you give a short pitch? What uh, what it is? What it's uh, all about? Uh, what are you looking for? What sort of startups? What stage? And so on. Yeah. So we are an accelerator, uh, but we say we are more than that. So we're by now in, we are the first believers investors in almost all the startups. We're looking for companies that have a balanced team international mindset, but they are revenue ready. Sometimes they come with 5-10k MRR, sometimes they come with the steel not there. But very early on, we continue investing, so we can invest up to CSA. So I think that's the biggest difference mm. and evolution. B2B, that's, I would say, the one thing that maintains from the beginning. But in verticals, we run vertical programs in SaaS, in sustainability, in different sub-verticals, in fintech and in cybersecurity and in defense, right? So I think we verticalize ourselves as much as possible because we believe that's how we can give the most value. And um, we work very, very much five to six months with the founders once we do the investment through our programs. And then we continue being very active uh, over the course of the years. Uh, of course, when other VCs invest, we give the, the baton, but we're still there. Right? I was just talking to one of my founders hmm. this weekend after five years on the phone on Saturday because he had a very important discussion personally to have with me, right? So, and that applies to everybody else, right? But we are a very active investor, very hands-on investor, focusing on B2B and more and more global, although we're basically main markets to make the investments have been Central Eastern Europe, including Baltics and CIS, including Turkey. So you started uh, from the Baltics. The first program was in in Estonia, if I'm not mistaken, yep. right? Yep, yep. And and then and then you got uh, you got into the rest of the Baltic states and then uh, now you said it's Denmark and it's uh, Italy as well. You just had a program in Italy, I think, and Africa. So how how did you actually decide uh, over where to expand to? What's the next uh, next goal? Yeah, first yeah, we've been Baltics and a lot of people still love us as the Baltic accelerator. You know, perception takes a long time to be changed, um, but that's yeah. fine. The Baltics now are hot and they're actually a very interesting destination. I think uh, we look at three things. We look at uh, potentially having a local partner that we believe in and that he believes in the, the vision that he's aligned. So every time we go to a new market, we are doing doing sort of co-investment with a new partner. So we, first part is the personal side. And obviously in those markets, we understand that there is a strategic direction. In Italy was seeing a very large market that was underdeveloped, uh, comparatively speaking, and mm-hmm. that we could actually have an impact and uh, had... But it was also friendly to get international players that wanted to have an impact, right? Which, for example, we didn't find in Spain before, even if it was still underdeveloped. Uh, in other cases, like in Denmark, is we're looking at markets that the vertical makes sense. So sustainability is very strong in Nordics. So positioning the program there mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, even if we have run it, etc. And in Africa, I think it's, it's a combination of all. Right? So we have we were doing programs in Africa online. Uh, we were doing mostly pre-acceleration, and then we said, hey, our core is to invest. So why are we running programs that we are not investing? Can we invest? And then we kind of deeper, deeper analysis about two partners that wanted to join us that could raise money with us to do it. And then COVID said, hey, before we didn't want to do it because you go to Nigeria, guys from Kenya will not come, right? But once it's accepted that it's online, and what we want to help is African companies becoming pan-African and expanding as much as possible online, it made a lot of sense, right? And in Africa, it's mostly fintech and sustainability. So very much mm-hmm. SDG-oriented because we believe next generation of certain technologies are going to first emerge from Africa because there is no legacy 
uh, and the population access and the bypassing, you know, the fixed line being everything mobile makes a lot of sense there, right? And when you do this sort of expansion, like when you create this new program, do you actually have someone from the mothership come down for the first program to run it or help run it? Or do you just uh, get local team to do it? It's a combination. I would say that the, the, the best model, the, our local partners are GPs, so general partners, so investors. So the, the investment decision is, mm -hmm. joint, is jointly down between all of us, so them and the, the bigger fund. But the team that runs is actually hired by the mothership to run the program. So sometimes mm -hmm. we just hire somebody local, but, it, but it's part of the holding team because that ensures that we do things the, the same way everywhere, right? And I actually don't want my partners to be hiring, doing admin. I want them to be raising money and making the best decisions and finding the best teams, right? But we run the rest of the things, right? So in Italy, we have five people, for example. So apart from Andrea, she's our general mm -hmm. partner. We have uh, two MDs and two PMs, and now two MDs uh, GPs are also coming from, from us. So it's a combination, but ideally the programs are run by the, we call it the holding team, and the local guys are mostly doing fundraising, funding the best companies and helping us mm -hmm. uh, making, and of course, making the liaison with corporates, coaches, mentors, you know, having an impact in the local ecosystem, right? But again, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. As, 80% of the program is run online. The locality is, <laughs> is so, is, you know, I, I think it will get to 40, 60, hopefully in, back in a couple of years from now. But right now, as I said, we run the programs in Zoom and then we happen to have an office in some places, right? That's, that's how it is, right? Um, so it, it's changing a little bit in that sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to get back to the numbers, so how big is your uh, how big is your portfolio now? So how many investments have you made? Uh, how many of them are still afloat? So what's two hundred and fifty investments? Yeah, investments around two hundred and twelve, two hundred and ten, twelve are alive. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, and I would say right. uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's fifty percent follow on rate from uh, from external investors. Mm -hmm. So since uh, and that's actually above the the market in terms of uh, of the of the rates, and I will say right now I was looking yesterday, I think we have about fifty companies that have a fifty k MRR or more, right? So mm -hmm. in, in the portfolio, so that in we say in the right trajectory to seed pre seed USA, and only this summer we have seven CUSAs in the portfolio, right? So we we see the portfolio maturity also. You see two things. The portfolio is maturing because many companies have it there. But secondly, the speed in which companies mm -hmm. are accessing rounds in the last two years bears no comparison with the previous five years, right? So of course, there is way more money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But, uh, but we, we can see that there. And out of the 250, uh, I would say 60% is Baltic, Ukraine, and Turkey, 10% uh, Italy. Mm -hmm. And the rest is, is spread, but mostly C and CIS, right? Yeah, it kind of feels like you have a special relationship with Ukraine. You've got a whole bunch of people from Ukraine working for yeah. uh, sort of wise guys, and you we got a whole bunch of uh, companies. Oh, it makes sense, right? It's the largest market in our region. Uh, we done thirty five investments yeah. in, in in the market. The best way to make investments in a country is to have people that knows the country, right? So, uh, you know, when Karina and Alexa join it. He gave us the opportunity to scout in a different way, to do references in a different way, to portray the brand in a different way, right? And now we have 
uh, what, five people from Ukraine. But basically, in my management, mm-hmm. out of seven, three are Ukrainians, right? And uh, my whole management is female. So that's, but the three of them are from Ukraine. So I, I think we can become even more relevant because in the past, we used to say that we wanted to accelerate companies that were mostly EU-focused. And as you know, in Ukraine, mm-hmm. I think the market is divided between I'm going to the US directly or I'm going to Europe and then the US. And now we are establishing more and more links to the U.S. to help companies that even from the beginning want to go to the U.S., right? So I think we become even okay. more, that one. even if I think there is with the USF and all the, there is so much money now compared with the past in the Ukrainian market at early stage, that is a bit, uh, it's more competitive, but I think it will become more qualitative also over time, right? Right, absolutely. And if we want to speak about the accelerators in general and the model, so like I started Accelerator in 2012 and started Accelerator in 2016 and I started Accelerator in 2021 are three very different organizations, uh, uh, different accelerators with very different sort of offer. And I think the demand has also changed uh, uh, quite drastically. So and the and the competition landscape as well has changed quite a bit. So how do you how do you see these changes and how like what what are you what are you doing to keep startup-wise guys relevant? Yeah, how in this in this market? Yeah. By the way, your previous organization, I still think we are the I believe we are the best two European accelerators in Europe, uh, and I think the numbers are there to prove it. But I uh, I think there is three or four things that make that are very clear. One is that they need to be able to follow on, right? So you cannot become a, a good accelerator and you will not attract very good, even uh, first-time founders, for sure, not second-time founders, if you cannot do follow-ons. Uh, I think the difference also the, mm-hmm. in the past, you took the accelerator because that was the way to do it. Now, some of us have a reputation that you want us in your cap table, regardless, right? Uh, so I think the 2021 means that, you know, we are much more of an early-stage player which starts investing for an accelerator but goes all the way up to Series A. I think the largest ones have become one of the key pipelines for many VCs, right? I think the second one is there is way more competition, and not for accelerators, which I think is always been there, but from syndicates for angels. Uh, mm-hmm. And angels are rather famous. People want, to, oh, I want to work with Tabet, you know, the co-founder of, of Wise, right? And he, he can give you as much money as you need, right? The problem with Tabet is he's yeah. too busy. But it, it feels good to have talent in your cap table, right? So to me, it is, again, our job is to make them uh, partners, not competitors. And we do a lot of co-investments. So I think the third difference is, I think 50% of the investments good accelerators do right now today are co-investments, which in the past it used mm-hmm. not to be the case, right? And now we, every round we have initial, in the initial one, angels, in the follow-ons, lots of syndicates. And we do more and more we lead because I think we have an infrastructure that many other angel groups and even small VCs don't have. In the past, that was mm-hmm. unheard that we will lead even, even putting less money, right? And maybe, maybe the last one there is the global mentality, right? So you're just not going to get the best deal flow. If you, uh, you just got a local fund, even from the government with decent money and you're just focusing in your country, you need to be global or be part of something that is global to be able uh, to support it, right? So I think that, that is, so we have a much larger animal that is spending many more stages that is way more in part of the investment ecosystem in terms of syndicates and amounts, but in which our reputation is much better than before. I, I think because the bad accelerators left, 
still many smaller, equity-free, etc. Uh, but we have, uh, and our portfolio support, I think because we have the infrastructure, is much bigger than before. Before you left, and it's like, okay, give us a call if you need anything, but probably we won't pick it up, right? And now we have three or four people dedicated to portfolio management, analytics, and that's what the LPs also like, right? A lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned that uh, uh, you think you are top two accelerators in Europe. Uh, the second, uh, the, the other being Rockstar. Uh huh. So. So, so, so it's you and Rockstar. Yeah. Um, but what, what's interesting, uh, what, what I think uh, is also interesting, and uh, this is something that you can see across uh, Europe, uh, also in the US, I think, a lot of accelerators, a lot of organizations that used to be called accelerators have dropped uh, the designation. They you can't uh, you can't see the word accelerator on their website anymore. They call themselves just investors, uh, early stage VCs, uh, whatever. Why do you think it's happening, and uh, why do you want to just uh, keep? Uh, keep this uh, keep this name yeah well to me we are more than accelerator but we run an accelerator program right so to me the acceleration is one of our products and it's our flagship product and it's the one that uh, and we like it right I, I think accelerating is hard work it's very hard work right and i think it's much easier to do investments afterwards in terms of the amount of work that it requires right and the complexity it requires right in the business model you spend a lot of money right so you know, we, we, we are four times the, the size in revenues, but our beta on, on the, on the business one is very, very small. Why? Because that's for us is the way just to scale the investment business, right? Uh, and then there's been a lot of, in many, many countries, the accelerator world has got polluted, right? There were so many people calling themselves accelerators that nobody wants to be associated with that, right? But to us, you know, we are, we are okay with that. But I think the key difference, like, we still want to be the first investor. So even if we have a VC fund and we'll invest direct investments in pre-seed and series A also, we still want to do one third or even half of our investments at the early stage, the accelerator stage. We want to be the first believer, right? Because we believe that in the markets that we spend the most time, do we still we, our figure is still very much needed and it has value added, right? But yes, you, you look at everybody wants to be an investor, early stage investor. We just say <laughs> we are more than an accelerator but we are still running a kick-ass accelerator and we don't want to do anything else differently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah makes sense. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, about the geography uh, that, uh, that that you have expertise in. You mentioned that Baltic is, is the hotter place right now. Why is it hot? What's going on? Well, it's a combination. Uh, I think the, the level of liquidity in the market has created ex- both in the exit level Many more people exiting and reinvesting, etc. Secondly, way more funding. Uh, it was a, a, we have more VCs in Baltics than in Italy, right? It's six million, I don't know, <laughs> six seventy million, right? Uh, we have reached already for two years in a row more than one billion in investments uh, in total in, in the region. We're talking about six million population, right? Uh, so that means you know the, the investment per capita is, I think, probably only for only in Israel is as intense as in the Baltics, right? I think objectively, there is a lot of money uh, that is invested in this asset class. Uh, secondly, I think the competition of talent is not against corporates. So people get out of university, they want to be a startup. The biggest competition is, do I go to a unicorn to work for them and they try to create them a startup or do I go directly, right? But the corporates in the region are the startups that have grown to unicorn status. Wise, Pipedrive, Skeleton, you know, Vinted, 
uh, Printify, Printful. So these guys are the, well, they don't want to go to McKinsey or to, or to Swedbank or to SAB. They want to be part of those companies, right? So I think there is a very skewed top talent into that direction. Um, and the governments want these things to happen. I think Estonia more strongly than Lithuania, and I think Latvia is really behind that sense, unfortunately. But the governments understand. I think in Estonia, the taxes right now is around 18% of the taxes are already coming from startups, right? For the corporate tax level, right? So it is a key engine of growth in that sense, right? So I think that makes the place and valuations are catching up, especially at series A level, but valuations were still much lower than what you could get for sure in the US, even in Israel, but for a long time also with the UK and the Nordics, right? I think right now they are in early stage to my first investor, but you know, we used to invest 70% at the standard deal. And now the average deal is 1.5 million valuation, right? Uh, of course, we have more mature companies, but valuations are going up. I think that's the, that's one of the down parts. I think they're not going to stop for the next two years. Then we'll see if the market will rationalize a little bit, right? Yeah, does this vibrance, so the, the, that's also what I wanted to ask, does this vibrance create a lot of competitive landscape for VCs in which uh, yourself uh, is participating as well? It is carnage in a good level, but it's a bit of carnage <laughs> there, you know, like uh, I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing change ventures, which is probably the Pan Baltic, the largest Pan Baltic VC going down to make 100k tickets when usually the, the ticket is half a million. And, and they even took a deal that they offered the guys a crazy valuation. I said, to, from us, it's like, what are you doing? I said, like, Christopher, I, I cannot get into the next round if I don't enter now, right? Uh, these guys are going to get so hot that luckily I cannot get into the next round, right? So I think the VC is that there is so much competition that the VCs are almost investing at micro VC level just to make sure that they get the food on the table and they don't get out of the deal in, in the next round, right? And that's also why there is a lot of secondaries because a lot of this is a Damn, I cannot enter in this round. And they try to buy out people like us in the next round because they can I buy you uh, so I can get into and uh, get my prorata, right? So I think there is a, I think it's still, it's carnage from a business point of view. I think the relationships are still extremely good in between, you know, there's 12, 14 funds really active. I think there's a lot of gentlemen's agreement. Nobody's doing anything like that, but there is competition. And there is, it's the first time I've seen some fear of missing out. Especially in second time founders. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've seen it and I've never seen it before. To me, it was a, a distant echo of the US guys talking. Uh, and I have seen it for the first time in the Baltics. In, again, especially with second time founders with PowerPoint only, that some people was like, wow, this is getting a bit crazy, right? <laughs> And then from your point of view, how does it all influence the quality of startups uh, coming from the region? Do you actually see like if you if you look at the percentage of good startups, is it the same? Is it is it higher? Is it lower? I will say the long tail is better quality, right? So there has always been the mm -hmm. the upper ten percent that is the the great guys, right? And that's I think almost almost in any market, it's just the volume that is different, right? But I think the long tail is getting better because most of the people that are doing startups has either done a startup being part of a startup uh, or being in the ecosystem, right? Well, in the past, 80% of people pitching have no idea they, was just, they were just trying, right? So I think the education mm -hmm. level of the people to become founded, and again, because there is pre-accelerators, equity freeze, mentorship, there's so many programs 
before you jump in that I think the long tail is much stronger than before, for sure. Right. Now, this is a, this is a good thing because uh, sometimes what I would expect is just uh, with the popularity of the concept of being a founder uh, growing, you just see more people starting whatever sort of startup and getting, well, whatever sort of outcome, but still the numbers uh, get inflated quite a bit. Yes, but at the same time, Again, there is apps for everything already, and there is almost posts for everything already, right? So I think you need to differentiate more clearly, right? I think we're in a, the, the question about how big is the market and how different is what you're building or intend to build, I think is more relevant than before, right? And that's, I think those people don't pass the idea stage. Let's say a lot of people don't pass the idea stage, right? Again, we're talking about the startups, still a lot of very nice small businesses or digital mm -hmm. initiatives that get created, right? So, and that's super fine also. I think that's very good for the region. Not everything has to be a startup. You can create very nice 10, 20 people companies that are in the digital space, right? And I think that's also, we have to be careful uh, that, hey, you are a very successful person. You create a 3 million euro business that makes 20% a bit that even if you don't have this investment, that's not a problem. You should be very proud, right? So I think we just need to make sure yeah. that we just don't make BC invested startups, the only cool thing, because there is many very basic ventures that are not investable, that are great businesses. And I think with the digitalization, the remote work, et cetera, we see even more of these and more of independent professionals creating small companies uh, that will thrive without being investable, right? Yeah, yeah. So to wrap this one up, I wanted to also ask you to paint me, let's say, a bigger picture. So you just uh, described uh, very well what's happening in the Baltics, uh, the sort of growth and development that you're seeing on the market. So if you put it into the European context, uh, how does it uh, uh, how does it look like? Is it growing, let's say, faster than the rest of the continent uh, at the same pace? How does it fit into the larger European ecosystem? Uh, for sure, faster. If we look at the, the percentage of a uh, series A and seed rounds that were coming from the Eastern Europe, they were almost, you couldn't see it in the graph. They were in the other uh, category, right? Now they are becoming meaningful that 20, 25%. I would say, especially if we don't put the UK there, we're catching up with, uh, with the Nordics in terms of number of deals for sure. So I think basically you cannot be an apparent European BC and ignore the East European pipeline anymore. You, somebody's going to ask you, why you're not looking at Ukraine? Why you're not looking at Romania? Why you're not looking at the Baltics? Why you're not looking at Poland? You're missing out something, right? So I think that makes a, a very big difference for what this was five years ago. And I think, again, I think we're going to be 20, 25% of the market in the next five years in anything seat to seat to Series A for sure. I don't know about B, C, I have to see that market growing. I, I'm not a, I, I don't understand still the, the BC series. And in fact, I actually prefer not to understand them because I think accelerators should be exiting in series B in most cases. That our job is done as an investor, even if we still can support the startups. Uh, but I think up to series A, you know, we are, we're part of the ecosystem. We are not just a nice mention with an exception. Uh, we're not part of the ecosystem. And you cannot be in the European level without understanding the region anymore. That's to me the the big the bigger picture. Talking a bit to me, B2C is still very dominated for the larger markets. And that makes sense because of the nature of, of B2C, right? 
Yeah, of course. Great. This is great. This is a great uh, point uh, to leave this conversation on. Thank you so much. So uh, this uh, is conversation from 2021. Uh, the previous one was in 2019. So I hope to talk to you in 2023 and hear more about your programs. Uh, Christopher, thanks a lot for uh, taking the time. Uh, take care and uh, good luck with everything you're doing with the Startup Wise guys. Thank you, Adrik. See you in 23 then. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse. That is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Please send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andrew Daylor, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.